Ben Bryant is still obviously the QB1 in Clifton, but how do Bearcat fans feel about it? We get into it today here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. It is free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Lockdown Bearcats, and follow us too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It is Thursday, so that means it is time for our weekly conversation, my weekly conversation with my all-Bearcats and Sports Illustrated colleague, Russ Heltman. Russ, you were at the game on Saturday, 45-24, to 24, and you were telling me before we came on the air that uh, there was a good uh, spread in the press box, just like there always is in Nippert Stadium, right? Yeah, we were joking last week, and great to be back with everybody here on Locked On Bearcats, that over the first three games of the season, coincidentally, there was pulled pork as the main entree for every single media meal. In Arkansas, they had pulled pork. At Kennesaw State, week one home opener, or week two home opener, they had pulled pork. And then in Paul Brown Stadium, they had pulled pork last week. No more pulled pork. We uh, fortunately got that off the uh, off the spread table, and they had a great, uh, great mix of baked ziti, some good Italian salad in there, some Caesar salad. It was a it was a gourmet meal, I will say, from the uh, from the UC Culinary Arts Group, whoever puts that together. I'm guessing it's the uh, the culinary team that runs the entire uh, on campus food and all that stuff. Puts this five cheese rigatoni lean cuisine that I'm eating right now on steroids. Seriously, <laughs> no. okay. All that aside, now the post the spreads are great. All that aside, Cincinnati wins 45-24 over Indiana. First half, really good. Second half, eh, not so much. Russ, you were there. You got a pulse on the program because you're right there, boots on the ground. I'll be there soon, though. Don't worry. How do Bearcat fans feel about this win on Saturday? Um, I, I'm getting a little bit of a Ohio State Buckeye fan energy from the Bearcats now. I think I think the success is starting to go to their heads just a little bit. For me, great win. 45-24 over a 3-0 Indiana team. You basically leave no doubt throughout the entire afternoon who the superior team was. Yes, the second half struggles were a head scratcher, and I actually just got done with my rewatch of the game before uh, – before actually go, going back to yesterday, I finished it last night – and to me, I thought it was just a tale of two halves to use the cliche there. And to me, this is a game that they could have won 70 to 24, 70 to 21, if they don't make the mistakes that they made in week one and have those comp- pop back up um, in the second half of this game against Indiana. So to me, I think it's a perfect win for this program because you leave it having covered your first spread of the season. Speaking of spreads that Bearcat fans actually want us to talk about there and Fans are not happy about it, it seems. And the coaching staff didn't seem too happy about it. Luke Fickle kind of hard on himself and hard on the team a little bit after the game, but made it a point during his weekly press conference to say, we do need to celebrate the wins. We need to make sure we don't get kind of numb to that winning feeling. But this is exactly where you want to be if you're a Bearcats program that looks at itself as a top 25 program outfit and getting ready to go to a Power 5 conference next year with the same goal as they have this year. 
win the AAC in 2022, and win the Big 12 in 2023. And to keep that mentality the same and to keep that mindset sharp, you kind of have to look at it that way. But from the fan perspective, it's a three-touchdown win over another Big Ten opponent. I don't think there's really too much to complain about, and especially those people calling for Ben Bryant to get benched after what? He put on the, up the best first half of the last decade by a Bearcats starting quarterback? Come on now. Well, and I, I, I like the point, Russ, that you bring up that you're getting the sense of that Ohio State fans feel when they only win a game 45-24. And I think that's great if you're trying to become a top-10 program. I really do. Exactly. True. That's um, a good point. So, and I talked about on my show yesterday, on this podcast yesterday, rather, about Ben Bryant. And I get comments in the YouTube videos. Oh, Ben Bryant should be benched. Oh, if Evan Prater played the second half at Arkansas, Bearcats would have won that game, which that's absolutely not true. And I explained why. Russ, we know Ben Bryant's not getting benched. But why do, and this is how I worded the question, for those calling for Ben Bryant's benching, he's not going to get benched. But for those calling for it, give them your two cents, your peace of mind on that. It's like the decision's been made, the performing, the teammates are bought in, the passing game's never been better arguably in the history of the, of the program so I don't really see what the argument there I don't really understand it at all you brought up the great point about how in the second half if they would have put Evan Prater in I listened to the show to the show yesterday there is no way they make that comeback Ben Bryant played really well in the second half there and they still were not able to get the job done sure maybe Evan Prater connects on one of those deep balls that Ben Bryant didn't connect on but that's in the past that's done game set match it's over and at this point in the season you have a quarterback that ranks tops in the AAC in completions, 23 per game, number one in completion rate, 67.2, was top 10 in the country going into the Indiana game before having that troubling second half that in large part was just a lot of, in my rewatch, a lot of bad stuff that a lot of players were doing all over the place. It wasn't one player messing up. It wasn't one big issue that's going to hamper them the rest of the season. And then you look at just where he ranks in terms of national spots on those numbers, completions 20th. Completion rate, 35th. He's one of the top 25 players in passing yards, in passing touchdowns, in passing um, efficiency, quarterback rating, all of this stuff. Right now, his quarterback rating would be the second highest quarterback rating in the history of the program behind Zacaleros in 2009. What more do people want, Alex Frank? I ask that to you. What more do they want out of Ben Bryant? Sure, you want him to complete every single deep ball. Sorry, hate to break it to you. It's not going to happen. Sure, you want to see him get a little bit more running, running rushing yards out of his legs, not be putting up negative rushing totals as, as the way they uh, market in college football. It's not going to happen. He's a pocket passer with an NFL arm and that likes to sit in the pocket. They have a guy that they have built the offense around, and the offense is flowing correctly around Ben after a 45-24 win and the 26th-ranked scoring offense in the country at 42.5 points per game. What more do people want? Everybody wants to score 50 points per game, but it's not very possible a lot of the times in college football. Okay, so here's how I'm going to answer that. Um, I don't think people want more from Ben Bryant other than knowing how to slide, which we can get into that. But I think, <laughs> you know, listen, Tom Brady's not the greatest running quarterback either, right? So I think what it is, you, you've said this before. I've said this before. Mo Egger has said this before on this podcast. 
The intrigue behind Evan Prater starting is still very palpable. We can agree on that. Yes. And I think as soon as something goes wrong with Ben Bryant, they're gonna the fans are gonna divert to oh, Evan Prater should be the starter. Well, okay, here's the problem with that. Let me ask you a series of questions. Rapid fire. Are you gonna bench a guy who's the leader of your offense right now? No. Not unless he has three straight bad, bad, bad games and they lose two of them. Then you think okay. about benching. But there you go. No. All right. Are you going to bench a guy who's playing with a bunch of confidence right now that's allowing him to complete over two-thirds of his passes for over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, and three picks? No. Let's see. Let's go through those numbers. Tied for 14th in yards nationally. Tied for 12th in touchdowns Ooh. nationally. Outside Ooh. of the top half of the NCAA in total interceptions thrown. Only three on the year. Ranked 67th in that stat. Right where you wanted to be. And QBR, the efficiency, not as high. 51st in total QBR. But still, all of those counting stats are right uh -huh. where you'd want them to be for Ben Bryant. But there's fans who, listen, who are listening to this right now who are saying, oh, efficiency, passer rating, yep, let's put Evan Prater in there. And I will admit to people, I rode that train in the offseason. I did. But I'm allowed to change my opinion, right? I'm allowed to change my opinion based on facts, based on evidence, based on what I see. I'm allowed to do that. Of course. And I said this yesterday, Russ, you heard this, you me say this yesterday. The Ravens didn't bench Lamar Jackson in that first playoff game, right? And look what that did for them. They now have their franchise quarterback, even if he turns down $290 million, which maybe he did that for a reason, okay? Were the Bengals going to bench Joe Burrow after throwing three picks at Chicago last year? No. Were they going to bench Joe Burrow after throwing four picks against Pittsburgh? No. They're not going to do it with Ben Bryan either. They're not. And you weren't going to throw Evan Prater to the Wolves down 14 nothing against Arkansas. So that leads me to this. How would you assess Ben Bryan's performance through four games so far? I'd give it an A minus. It's an A if they're 4 0, and it's an A plus if they're 4 0, and he's averaging 11 yards per attempt, top 20 in QBR, all this stuff. But it's been. A B A minus. It's an A minus for me. Another stat for you. 27th in the nation in yards per attempt. A nice efficiency marker there. Like to me, Ben Bryant has done everything that you could possibly want him to do so far as a Bearcats quarterback. And he's honestly going down the track, Alex, that you, you and I discussed in August. I think that was the last, or yeah, it was one of the last times I came on for the start of the season. And we said how the worst case scenario for this team is Ben Bryant is just average. He's like the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the AAC, which right now he looks like arguably the best quarterback in the AAC, him and Davis Brin facing off. I would say those are the two best candidates right now, along with John Reese Plumley over there at UCF. So the fact that he has been so good in this conference, he's been a top 25 passer by really roll, them all, roll all the metrics together. He's been top 25 in the country and he's getting notable looks from NFL draft analysts, from guys that watch and peruse the college football ranks and make their rankings of these college quarterbacks, he is popping up on their radar. And that's exactly what you want if you're a Bearcats football program. You want Ben Bryant to keep playing like this, maybe even elevate his game a little bit more as he continues to get more acclimation with his receiving core. And then you go to the NFL as a fourth, fifth, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick and boom. The gates are opened for Evan Prater to take over the job 
And as of right now, it's trending that way. It is not trending in the worst case scenario where Ben Bryant is just good enough to keep the job, good enough to fend off Evan Prater, but not good enough to take the next step, go and forego his last year of eligibility, take his shot at the league in 2023. He's your quarterback in 2023 again. And then Evan Prater is basically left on the bench his entire career here at UC. And by that point, you'd think he would want to get out and go transfer just to get a chance to play. But that scenario is not playing out currently where we sit on the last week of September 2022. Yeah. And like Ben Bryan is the reason why this team is winning games yes. for us. Ben Bryan's the reason why they, ha- they had a chance to win at Arkansas. And by the way, let me point this out to you. And Luke Fickle said this on Tuesday. And you heard it. I heard it. We all heard it. Ben Bryan highlights the strengths of this offense specifically mentioning Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. Now, Russ, who are the two leading receivers on this team right now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. Oh, my God, it's a miracle how things work. Okay, so what that tells you is Ben Bryant fits the mold of this offense. Yes, and on a day when the Bearcats only ran for 40 yards, they don't win by 21. If it's not for Ben Bryant, like that's just the way that game works. So again, you're upset because you're still so intrigued by Evan Prater starting, but that's not going to happen. No. And it's like, speaking of the, go ahead. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect transition. I was right about to tackle the run game. (laughs) We'll get into it because there were some struggles definitely on Saturday, but there are ways to fix it. We'll get into it after a word from Bet Online. Another word from Bet Online, if you will. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. This goes. For MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Russ Heltman from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, my colleague joining me today for our weekly conversation. Russ, the running game on Saturday struggled. There are stats to back it up. Longest run of only six yards, just nine yards in the first half, only 1.1 yards per rush before contact Um, from what you saw at the game. um, What was the main reason you think for the struggles in the run game? Well, obviously in the first half, I don't know what kind of game plan Indiana, like who pays these coaches over in Bloomington because it was unbelievable. The malpractice they showed matching up against an offense that you and I have seen it. Coach Fickle's seen it. The whole world's seen it for the first three weeks of the season. Run through the passing game. Run through Ben Bryant, Tyler Scott, and Trey Tucker as the kind of triumvirate of downfield passing mayhem. And they played kind of off soft coverage. They didn't press these receivers at all. And then once they started to make their hay in the middle of the field on those short, quick throws, Ben Bryant and those receivers took advantage of increased press coverage and went over the top for some of those plays, including the deep 75-yard touchdown to Tyler Scott, that deep ball to Trey Tucker as well, a couple 30-plus-yard passes for touchdowns to Tyler Scott in the ensuing drives from there on. So the defensive game plan was all over the place. I did not understand it at all. 
And to me, when they played that kind of soft, light coverage, not as many defensive backs on the field, it made the rushing attack much, much harder to flow through. But it doesn't matter for this passing attack because if you're going to give Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker single coverage all day long, you don't have to run the football at all. You're still going to throw for I mean, Ben Bryant throughout their front entire first half was over 12 yards per attempt for the most part. So the fact that they had a really disjointed defensive game plan hurt them and their ability to keep the Bearcats off the board. But stacking six men, stacking seven men, two linebackers, five down linemen a lot of the times, all of those heavy box alignments from this Indiana defense made it really difficult on the Bearcats rushing attack to create relevant holes. And to me, it's a lot of stuff that can get cleaned up. It's a lot of running back decisions in terms of hitting the right hole, hitting the right gap at the right time. And then at some points, I mean, I, I counted four or five plays on my rewatch where there were multiple interior linemen double teaming one defensive tackle as two linebackers in a seven-man box or in a six-man box with six down linemen went and tackled the running back with, with, with two extra linebackers just unblocked. So it's a lot of like, I think, assignment stuff. I think easy stuff that Mike Cummings, Gino Gadouli, and the rest of this offensive staff and the offensive line staff can get together and hammer out over this uh, this week of practice before they face a Tulsa team that is uh, is going to try to, I would say, make UC run the football on them. I would very, I would be very, very surprised if we don't see a lot of nickel, dime, five men in the box looks with light packages to dare the Bearcats to get that 4.1 yards per carry in 96th ranked. 130.1 yards per game rushing tally up closer to where they'd like it to be, which I'm guessing is around 160, 175 per game. Well, it's interesting to me, Russ, because um, I I think it's my Ryan Montgomery. He's still out. He warmed up before the game. You were there. He just couldn't go. Luke Fickle echoed that on Tuesday's radio show. But I just think no, and Montgomery, maybe- real quick, Montgomery was back back at practice when I saw him there on Tuesday. Okay. So no word That's yet huge. on whether or not he'll be playing, but maybe we'll see him out there against Tulsa. It seems like he's getting closer and closer to yeah. coming back. Yeah, that's the hope because I, I still think it's important for this team. I think it's very important for a lot of reasons, as I mentioned yesterday, that they still run the football because how, because that's what travels. When I mean, you face teams like UCF on the road and Tulsa on the road, you want your defense to stay off the field for as long as possible. And if you can take advantage of light boxes, <clears throat> maybe Joe Mixon's listening to this. Um, that's important, Russ. Like as much as this offense has changed, you still got to be able to run the football because then that opens up play action. That's going to open up a lot of things for this offense that is really talented. And like they they have run the ball well this season. I think Corey Kiner could get going a little bit. If he can stay healthy. I think Charles McClellan's doing fine. He was a little dinged up on Saturday. Excuse me during the game. So like what adjustments do you think this team needs to make? How do you think they fix this run game? Because I do think you're right. They got to run the ball at Tulsa. If they're going to beat Tulsa on Saturday, which I think they will, I I think they're going to have to do it by beating Tulsa at their game. Right. Yeah. I mean, Tulsa, I don't think they're going to have to run the ball to be honest, to beat Tulsa. I think it could be a, a really similar outing to what we saw on Saturday, another 40-plus point performance with less than 130, 120, maybe less than 100 yards rushing once again for the Bearcats. This Tulsa team cannot defend the pass one lick. They are so bad. 120th out of 131 FBS teams when facing FBS opponents in passing EPA allowed per play. 0.334 passing EPA allowed 
per snap on that end. And they're one of the top 55 teams, top 50 teams in the country and rushing EPA per play allowed. So they're going to try to bait the Bearcats to run. But I, if I'm the Bearcats, I just keep picking on that, on these weak, weak pass defense defenses they've been able to prey on ever since getting uh, getting away from that loss against Arkansas. So to me, I think you you try to go maybe mixing up the formations a little bit. They ran a lot of under center runs and some of the shotgun runs and pistol formation runs that I saw them work with in the uh, in the second half of that game worked a little bit better. You were able to eke out four or five yard carries instead of one, two, three yard carries. But the bottom line is Indiana kind of just punched this offensive line in the mouth on those plays where assignments weren't missed in the running game. They were getting great push on the interior. The push got better, and it translated over to the passing game in the second half. So that's something to watch for, and especially James Tunstall. I did not like a lot of what I saw from his blocking reps in that game against Indiana. was kind of out on an island, got pulled away from the line and congruency of the line a lot, and was stuck out there getting getting spin moved and getting put in a cycle at that point. So if we could get a little bit tighter connection between the tackles and uh, and the guards and the centers, and get a little bit more defined push up the middle in that interior, and that's going to go a long way. But obviously, they're facing a little bit lower caliber caliber of an opponent and caliber of uh, recruiting prowess in the Tulsa Golden Hurricane than they would have faced last weekend against Indiana. It's interesting because like, I think it might be, you know, something where you're just going to have to relentlessly commit to the run game. Like I remember the UCF game in 2019, Russ, you remember this. Michael Warren, like he was only getting four or five yards a carry. Like he was getting those four or five yards per carry, but he hadn't really hit that big run. And then he finally did on the last play of the third quarter that essentially ended the UCF dynasty in the American that once was. All right, let's get to let's get to some good stuff here. What we saw on Saturday. I mean, I don't know where you begin with um, Ivan Pace Jr.'s performance. Otherworldly, Russ. Fifteen tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. Um, four and a half. I'm sorry, two and a half sacks, four and a half tackles for loss. We know that he's maybe a lock for defensive player of the year in this conference, but can we start talking about him being an All-American? Yes, we can, Alex. We can definitely start talking about the Ivan Pace Jr. All-American train. Let's just go through some numbers from our great friends over at PFF from Pace's performance on Saturday and kind of his entire season at large through the non-conference slate. Six total pressures, two sacks on 20 rushing snaps for Ivan Pace Jr. That's over a 20% pressure rate. That's pretty good. 50 times he dropped back into the coverage, Bearcats fans, and he ended the game with fewer yards allowed in coverage on the season than he started the game with. The linebacker allowed two negative two yards in coverage and recorded two passing stops, which means he shut down uh, first down opportunities twice in the passing game. Had nine tackles against the Hoosers rushing attack, 32 run defense snaps, nine tackles on those 32 snaps, four defensive stops, three tackles for loss or no gain. And Alex, he is the highest grade PFF off-ball linebacker in the country. I mean, you and I were high on him coming into the season. You, We were scratching ourselves like, uh, like monkeys do, trying to think, why, why is people not expecting Ivan Pace Jr.? to come in here and blow everybody's socks off. And that's exactly what he's done. He's really started to acclimate himself better in the locker room. It sounds like from a, from a guy, Will Huber, not that he wasn't, not that he was disliked in the locker room, but he's starting to become an energy guy, a vocal guy, a little bit more vocal. So all of this is really cool to see. And it feels like Ivan Pace Jr. Has been a part of this black cats defense, his entire college career. And it's only been a four game experience. He has been unbelievable. 
Yeah, and I remember like throughout the summer, I would say, okay, Deshaun Pace might be your defense's best player, but <laughs> his brother's come in there in here and, and it's been like, eh, you know what, bro? Uh, yeah, let me take over for you. Yeah, you got to move that done, one, move that one man down the Pace lineage, and you got the right one. Deshaun's <laughs> done well too. Like I, I've liked what I'm what I've seen from Deshaun this season, but and I think, and I'll just mention this real quick, Russ. Like Will Huber, like he was on Luke Fickle, the Luke Fickle radio show last week. They've started to have players on the show the last two weeks, and Wilson Huber was on last week with Ty Van Fossen. Like, Will Huber has gotten better and better each season, and you listen to the way he talks. You listen to how, you know, just grateful that he is in this position. You listen to how much he cares about the program. That's a leader that I really like on this team, and maybe he's gotten a little bit of that out of Ivan Pace Jr. So just the linebacking core that we talked about, how great it is, how talented it is, but it's also very tight. It's also very close-knit. It's also very um, – the camaraderie is really, really impressive. Um, let's go to the offensive side, Tyler Scott. We knew that he'd be in for a big year. I didn't think we, we, we thought he was going to be off to this great start. Um, how do you see the rest of the season playing out for Tyler Scott as we approach conference play? Top 10 in receiving yards, one of the best touchdown scorers in the country. Basically, what was that? Taiwan Mullen, the all American cornerback from, uh, from Indiana on that 34-yard touchdown, I think it was. Yeah, the 34-yarder where he caught it at the 15 and just juked him out of his shoes. Tyler Scott is a legit offensive threat, and he's turned himself into one of the better receivers in the country. A year after Luke Fickle, after the game, joked, they didn't even know if he was going to keep playing receiver. He kept telling him, if you keep dropping the ball, you're going to move the cornerback, and that was funny enough. The first thing that Tyler Scott brought up on Tuesday afternoon when I think it was our guy Keith Jenkins of the Cincinnati Enquirer asked him, what uh, what what are your thoughts? What are your overarching just feelings after that game? And he goes, first thing he says, I had five drops. Now I didn't count exactly five drops. There were two or three big drops out of Tyler Scott in that one, and it could have been. It's crazy to think it could have been. It could have been a. It could have been a fully record-setting most touchdowns, most yards by a receiver game in UC history had he not done that. But it just goes to show nobody on this team, not even the best players putting up the best performances are resting on their laurels. They're always looking to get better. And Tyler Scott, I think he could be one of those. He could end up, he could very well end the season with top 10, a top 10 receiving yardage total of anyone in the country. And I don't know that Bearcats fans, especially Bearcat fans looking at teams of the past five years under Luke Fickle would have thought going into this season. I mean, are we, are we getting to the point where we can start comparing what he's doing to Marty Gilliard or, Maybe I think so. Yeah, oh, I think really? he's, I, okay. not that he's as good as Gilliard and, and he's not going to reach the the statistical heights. I don't think that Gilliard reached, but there the the baseline skills and the ceiling I think Scott has is higher than Gilliard. Just given the fact that he's pairing this great route running now, these great game breaking movability with that four two nine speed. And that's just really, really hard to deal with if you're any other quarterback. And just look, all-American cornerback this past weekend was no match for Mr. Tyler Scott. No. I mean, and then I, one of the drops that Scott had was like early in the second half, Brian tried to heave one down the near side. It looked like Scott was going to catch. I think he lost it going out of bounds. That could have been a big play. See, I see. I rewatched the game too. See, I, I learned oh, from yeah. the Masters here. I learned from Russ. I learned from Justin. So 
I'm just part of the club here, apparently. So and that that throw that was one I think that was probably the biggest throw that Bryant and Scott would like to have back in that second half yeah. because he was wide open down the sideline and you could tell Bryant right. puts it on his outside shoulder instead of his inside shoulder. He has to do a spin move during his route, isn't able to catch the ball as he's spinning and it just drops yeah, to the ground. Listen, so listen. definitely some throws in that second half that Brian would like to get back, namely the uh, the overthrow on the Taylor pass that got intercepted. intercepted. Yeah, that, that was – That can't happen. No, it can't. And I felt – and I feel like now thinking about it, Russ, and like watching – re-watching the game, I feel like that was the momentum killer. If, if he hits that pass, that drive might be able to be sustained. You go down and score again. But, you know, and, and, and that's now two of his three interceptions, Brian's this season – that have been tipped by a wide receiver. Was it a high throw? Yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But at the same time, is it all Ben Bryant's fault? No. All right, coming up, Bearcats have their first conference game this week at Tulsa. I said it earlier this offseason, this is a trap game, and I still believe that even more now. Plus, who says you can't wear white after Labor Day? We'll get into that after a word from two of our sponsors. You see what I did there with that tease? You can't wear white after Labor Day. That's because tonight, Russ... You and I are well aware of this. Our buddy James Rapine is all over it for Locked On Bengals and all Bengals and Cincinnati Bengals talk. A chance to even the record of two and two tonight. And Russ, I think they do it, the Bengals. And it wouldn't shock me if they blew Miami out of the water, literally. Yeah, I would be shocked if they destroy Miami, put up their first 30 piece of the season, and leave a Miami team that just played 51 more snaps on defense than the offense played this past Sunday going up against Josh Allen, the punishing Buffalo Bills, and that 90-degree heat. They had to, unfortunately, fly out a day earlier. They were going to fly out on um, on Thursday on this, mor- this morning, but they had to fly out yesterday afternoon due to the Hurricane Ian stuff going on, obviously, uh, sending all our thoughts to our people down south yeah. with that going on. But, yeah, I don't think this is a great spot at all for the Miami Dolphins, especially when you think about the fact they are bottom three. And passing EPA allowed on defense, yep. passing success rate allowed on defense. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, all those snaps they just played on Sunday, they blitz at one of the top 10 highest rates in the league, and they get presser on the quarterback at a bottom four rate in the NFL. They have no players outside of Melvin Ingram with multiple sacks, yeah. and their second leading sacker is a safety in Javon Holland, who, you guessed it, gets his sacks based off of blitzes. Who kills blitzes? Well, that would be number nine, Mr. Joey Burrow. Thank you. Joey Primetime, I think he should go off tonight. I handed those, uh, handed some wagers out on that side on yeah. Bengal bets. You can check that out on uh, on all Bengals. But I'm pretty confident in the Bengals to get back to two and two on this Thursday night affair, a game where they can, from one Saturday of dread to another Saturday a week later, they can be right back to 500. Right back to 500, and like the Browns and Ravens are playing teams that they can lose to this week. And then, you, I mean, if you talk about it, you go into Sunday Night Football, Baltimore, a place where you won big last year, all of a sudden we could be talking about this team being 3-2. and two, And, hey, like, uh, I mean, that 0-2 star was <laughs> just maybe a, an extension of the preseason, if you will. Um, and, and I love all the people who go who are, you know, ooh and ahhing over Tyree Kill, and he, he's trash-talking this week. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jamar Chase is still a better receiver. Am I right? That's tough. It's it's so tough. I, I can't even pick a side there because once you get, get to like those top five, top six guys, I think it's kind of just pick your flavor. And obviously my flavor of choice would be Jamar Chase, but every, somebody's might be Tyree Kill. And, and I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs flavor would still be Tyree Kill given, uh, given that the Cheetah 
has won the divorce so far through th- through three games, but a lot of season and a lot Correct. of careers still to go for both sides. You know, all of a all of a sudden, the Chiefs look vulnerable. Buffalo looks vulnerable. The Chargers might be done. I mean, that's uh, and, and don't start me on Denver. I mean, Russ, that might be the worst Sunday night football game I've ever seen. I didn't watch any of it, to be honest. I went to bed nice well, and early. Be, I knew it was going to be disgusting. Chose to avoid that track, and it looks like man. I avoided it. Listen, I started my film review for the Bearcats game Sunday night, and at halftime, I'm like, all right, you know what? It's late. I'm just going to lay back and you know read some articles and you know watch the, the, the second half of the game. And, yeah, that was probably not a good expenditure of my time. All right, <laughs> back to what everybody here is tuned into. Bearcats are at Tulsa Saturday, 7 o'clock kickoff. I hate that late kickoff time, especially when the game's on ESPNU and you got a whole bunch of other football games on. And you've got, I mean, being here in Macon, Georgia, saying this, the Braves playing the Mets with the NL East potentially on the line. But big game for Cincinnati. Tulsa's 2-2. Two and two. Their losses are to Wyoming by 3 in overtime and, excuse me, Ole Miss by 9. They do, however, have a question mark surrounding their quarterback, Russ, Davis Brin, Sprained his ankle second quarter last week. Status unknown for this game. But your first thoughts on Tulsa, what you've seen, and what we could see on Saturday. Well, I mean, it's all going to depend on Davis Brin's health. If he is not able to go in this one, I, 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 it could get very ugly very, very early for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. I am not convinced Braylon Baraxton is the guy. Came in against Ole Miss and performed how he probably will perform Against the uh, against the UC Bearcats, had a 50% completion rate, 102.9 quarterback rating, two touchdowns, one interception, 4.2 yards per attempt. I, I it's just it's not going to be as easy for the Golden Hurricane. I think to move the ball even with Braxton, if he's the one that gets the nod, because obviously Old Miss had no film on Braxton. They were preparing for Davis Bren that entire time, so it all hinges on Bren. Keelan Stokes, another guy that this game is going to hinge on, can Jaquan Shepard. Arquan Bush pending his status. We don't know whether or not he's going to be playing. Did not see him participate in practice yesterday. He was off to the side getting individual rehab work in. So that's something to monitor, obviously, because this receiving core, 1,434 yards, top five passing yardage total by any offense in the country this season. All in all, they're averaging 14.8 yards per catch. They got 14 passing touchdowns. It's just, it is a, it is a hellish offense passing the ball that the Bearcats are going to have to go against. But talked with J- Jaquan Shepard, senior um, cornerback opposite yeah. Arquan Bush today after practice and how diverse and strong the reps have been in the non-conference slate to kind of prepare them for this really tough early passing attack battle. He noted how Kennesaw State gave them a lot of run looks. Arkansas gave them a lot of different run looks. Last week's Indi- versus Indiana, they go and they have to face 70 passing down snaps and they get that experience there. So yeah. I think it's really going to help the Bearcats. They have a lot of great reps underneath them. Justin Harris, if he has to go, he got a lot of great experience last week. Hopefully those three PIs are the only three PIs mm-hmm. he's going to have all season long and he got those out of his system. To me, it comes down to Keelan Stokes in this receiving core being able to get not shut down by Jaquan Shepard and the rest of that passing attack, but can you put a dome over them in terms of those big plays and make them have to work the ball down the field methodically like Indiana had to all throughout last Saturday? Do you uh, have an update on Arquan Bush? Um, Luke Fickle said that um, 
you know, it wasn't going to be the season-ending type on Tuesday. But do we have a definitive update if he's going to be able to go this week? We do not have an update on if he's going to be able to go. Just like I mentioned, I saw him at practice yesterday. I didn't get to talk to him at all. He was just kind of doing his own thing with the trainers. Okay. And it didn't seem like he was in bad spirits or anything. He was joking around, having fun. So maybe, he, maybe he'll be out there on Saturday. I wouldn't bank on it, but I would expect him to be back at some point in the next couple of weeks. What you really want to have yeah. him for is that SMU-UCF back-to-back road date battle in the back half of October. You'd love him to be completely healthy by then. That is coming up before you know it. Oh, yeah. And I'll say this, Russ. I don't know. When you rewatch the games, do you have the sound on to hear what the announcers are saying? And it, it's okay if you don't. I know I know people do it differently. Yeah, I like to listen to it just in case okay. I say anything or, or talk see, about see, like the injury stuff, especially. Yes. Talk about that. See, I knew you and I were great because that, that that's how I do it. And one thing was interesting to me, Russ, was Stormy Buonantoni, the sideline reporter for Saturday's game, um, she was saying how Arquan Bush was still in really good spirits. He was supporting his players, really being that energizer on the sidelines. That's always great when you hear something like that, and it's really good. It's a good testament to the culture, which speaking of, I'll make two points here. One, it's that, you know, Tulsa can compete with Cincinnati. They know that. But in order to beat Cincinnati, I think now, Russ, we're at a point where you've got to beat the culture of the Bearcats. It's more than just beating the team. Cincinnati is so good, so cultured, so established. It's like you got to beat two different things, maybe more than that. Do you get that sentiment? Because, like, Tulsa's come close. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The last two times, Russ, the AAC championship game in 2020 and then last year's game when we were pulling our hair out for the whole uh, fourth quarter, I mean, but the culture of Cincinnati has prevailed. Now, let me get to these. So yesterday's video, I explained why Ben Bryan is still QB1, Russ. And wouldn't you know, fans are starting to agree with me here. And you, for that matter. Here's some comments. I think Indiana put all their eggs in preparing to stop the run. Indiana, they made second half adjustments to stop the pass. Mm, Funny how we just talked about that. Ben Bryan will play his way into being an NFL draft pick and will be gone next season and open the door for Prater next season to quarterback. That guy's name is Gregory Merrick. He might as well be named Russ Heltman. I hope so. If Brian plays the entire year like second half at Arkansas and first half against Indiana, he will get drafted. Finally, some sense that he was not going to get benched for the second half at Arkansas, Russ. It's so funny how when we come on and say it, they go like, oh, you guys are right. It's so funny. That's why we're here, right? Fan, short for fanatic. It happens. It happens. People don't. People aren't thinking clearly sometimes. Mm. It's okay. okay. That's why we're here. Yeah, this is why we have these weekly conversations on Thursday. All right. Now, here's the better, here's the bigger. And Tyler Scott mentioned this on Tuesday. Tony Pike brought this up on the Tony Mo football show on Monday. This is Tulsa's college game day. Because last year, Tulsa was the, was the opponent for Cincinnati on college game day last year. And maybe people forgot about that because they were so excited. Oh my gosh, college game day is coming to Cincinnati. I don't even care who we're playing. Well, you did by the end of the game because. They almost lost Cincinnati. But Tulsa's now hosting this game. First time under the Luke Fickle in the Luke Fickle era, they're going to Tulsa. And Tulsa, this is their college game day. And every team in the American Russ who's not going to the Big 12, you have to think they want to beat Cincinnati badly to say, oh, yeah, we beat the two-time reigning champions playoff. 
bound and Big 12 bound and oh, we beat them. We can hold this over their heads forever. Do you get that sentiment, Russ, going into conference play? And do you still think Cincinnati can win out in conference play and go 12 and 1? Yes and yes. I think there's not a ton more added juice to this game for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. It is just the, it's it's another chance to get on the board in AAC play. You try to treat every single opponent the same. You try to prepare the same for every single opponent. Cliche, cliche, cliche. But yes, there has to be that extra little bit underneath, especially if a guy like Davis Brand is able to go, especially if a guy like Keelan Stokes is able to go off. These guys have taken the brunt of the pain and the anguish from losing to Cincinnati over the past three or four years wholeheartedly. So obviously there's going to be a little bit extra in there that makes you want to get the job done and makes you want to win. And I just, I I see a really, really kind of nip tuck type of game, but one that the Bearcats ultimately come out on top of and ultimately score 40 plus points again. And what I would project to be about a 45, 35 win for Cincinnati, 45, 27, something like that. Okay, so you're filling in for me on the show tomorrow. A game preview, Bearcats at Tulsa, to kind of expand the preview of what we've got on today. So I'll give my prediction right now, some keys to the game. I think you got to run the ball. I think you got to start fast. And I think I'm going to put the emphasis on UC's corners because Tulsa's passing game is not only really good, Russ, they have some experienced receivers. Keelon Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana. Feels like they've been at Tulsa for the last 20 years, which, I mean, then again, the world has been in the last 20 years with the pandemic and whatnot. So... I think Cincinnati wins. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. I'll say 37 to 27. Bearcats get the win, improve to four and one, and then uh, homecoming next Saturday against USF. So Russ is on the show tomorrow, filling in for me. Thank you as always to him and uh, for our weekly conversations. By the way, just gonna, I'm, I'm, I just want to read this statement from Micah Parsons. I mean, I, I just read this statement. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is different. He said, in quote, I could have a stomach virus, I could be pooping my pants, and I still want to play. I live to play the game. Me at 60 is better than most people at 100. Um, okay. That was a wild wild way to end this Locked On Bearcats. I'll say that. I just got to throw that out there, though. I mean, Russ, that, that's scary to think because then what is he like at 100%? I mean, we know what he's like at 100%, Russ. We saw it two weeks ago. How, how did we get on the Cowboys? I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Listen, well, okay, I mean, they're America's team still. Not my team, to say the least. <laughs> Not mine either. Okay. Russ Heltman from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I just had to throw that in. That was hilarious. Um, you can follow Russ on Twitter. At Russ Heltman 11. He's a producer and host at WMKV 89.3. And of course, he's my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Heltman. Filling in for me tomorrow on Lockdown Bearcats and kind enough to join me for our weekly conversation today. Russ, thank you as always and uh, enjoy hosting the show tomorrow. Of course, we're going to get into some keys to the game and we'll also be diving into the first media availability of the 2022-2023 Bearcats men's basketball team. Yes. So we'll be diving into that. And I've got some – and I've got – so here's what I'm going to planning to do. I'm going to announce this right now to Russ and – you, Russ, and everybody listening to this. So, you know, covering both – this will be your – I think one of your first go-rounds, football and men's basketball overlap, which can be a bear. I've been through it many times when I was sports director of Bearcats Media. But what I'm going to do is – the main shows throughout the week will be football because we're, I mean, this is a football school now maybe, but every day after there's a basketball game, I'm going to do a bonus content, 10 to 12 minutes recapping the game. So 
I'm going to cover basketball because, listen, Bearcats basketball, that's that's maybe the reason outside of my mom and grandmother going to um, Cincinnati. That is the main reason why I decided to go to school there because of the basketball program. No doubt. No doubt. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Alex. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Plus, Helpman from all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated joining me today. He'll be filling in for me tomorrow. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. For your second listen, get more on the Big 12 by making Lockdown Big 12 your second listen. Everyday host Josh Neighbors and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Lockdown Big 12, your second listen. That's Lockdown Big 12. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the Bengals game tonight. I'm going Bengals 31-21 over the Dolphins. Uh, keys to the game, take away the deep ball, protect the franchise, establish the run game, and own home field. That's going to be a raucous atmosphere tonight with the whiteout. Um, thanks as always for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe, stay healthy, so you can keep making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Russ Heltman in for me tomorrow. I'll be back Saturday night, Sunday morning, after the Bearcats-Dulce game. Until then... Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day.